and welcome to the Greg and Dex Fantasy Podcast. This is episode one, not to be confused with the first episode, which was episode zero. Apparently, podcasts do that. I don't know why. Here I am, and I have my partner in crime, Greg. Hey, I'm Greg, and uh, we're doing episode one for the second time, first time. We are here today to bring some actual requests in from a listener. We send these things out to our friends and family first. You let them give you feedback. Basically, they tell you how much you suck, what you're good at, which is close to nothing. And you cry and you say, that's great feedback. I'm going to use it. We'll put my ego that's in shambles aside, and we're going to face that head on. We're going to start from the beginning. I'm reading the text right now. Does PPR or half PPR change your strategy? Should you do snake, redraft, or different formats? Like I said, I'm dumb and don't know all the different terminology and what it all means. But I play fantasy football. So yeah, he wants basic terminology. And what I imagine we were talking about last week about dynasty, best ball, redraft. So I think the easiest thing to do is start with the formats, then the scoring. After that, there's so much nuance. We could just pass over it and get into today. want to touch on Aaron Rodgers. Definitely want to talk about Elijah Moore. Greg was kind enough last episode to just let me go in and celebrate my love of Justin Fields. I want to give him Elijah Moore. He's not a Jess fan. He's just a big Elijah Moore fan. I'm already doing victory laps. It's great. Then we're going to get into something a bit more in-depth and a bit heavier and talk about the fifth-round rookie draft class from our recent Dynasty draft. We're taking you on a journey. We're going to start small. Baby steps explain to you like you're five. And then we're going to take you to the advanced. We're going to take you to the PhD, big leagues. I was going to say, we're, we're starting in the beginning. You know, what is a snake draft? What is PPR? And we're going all the way through to who is Tommy Tremble and why should you care? So let's start. The request from the listener was breaking down the terminology. Basic fantasy football here. You have your formats. You have redraft, which is what most casual players will play in. When your boss comes over to sexually harass you, not that it's happened to me, never happened to me. But when your boss comes over to put your hand on your shoulder too long because you're a good-looking guy or yep, gal, been there. what's he talking about? He's, he's talking about fantasy football, man. And and for most people, fantasy football, like you said, it, it's redraft. And the whole – I don't know why it's called redraft, not just draft. But it, it's called redraft because you draft a team every year. And you redraft that team year over year. And you always have an opportunity to kind of start from scratch whenever the new season rolls around. And so most people for fantasy football, they think of redraft. And for most people, that redraft is a league of a different size. You know, usually it's a 12-team league. That is kind of the most standard that you see. But occasionally you get down to 10 teams, you get to 8 teams. Some crazy people play 14 or 16 teams. But I don't think I've ever played in, in anything other than a 12-team league. And redraft is, is the common, when people say fantasy football, 8 times out of 10 they're talking about redraft. And so what are those two times where they're not talking about redrafts? Well, often it's Dynasty, which is a favorite of, of Dax and, and myself. Um, and, and Dynasty is where you draft a team, and then you have that team for forever. And so you are married to those players, and you are responsible for their ups, you're responsible for their downs, and you need to get yourself out of bad situations once you get yourself into them. And it, and it can be a lot of fun, but it is very intense. So I'm going to stop you right there. When you say get in and out of bad situations, you're saying you gambled too much. Papa can't get his daughter 
a present for Christmas. The house is underwater. Had to get socks for Christmas. That's what we're talking about. Jillian got socks because I uh, gave up four first-round picks for Eddie Lacy. For those who don't know Eddie Lacy, he's a short-lived fantasy icon running back who was really addicted to China food, as we call it Chinese food. But. Yeah, exactly. He, he lays it out for you, specifically orange chicken. Uh, don't talk to him about sesame chicken. Don't talk to him about General Sows. It's orange chicken. Um, and uh, and he ate himself out of the league. Apparently he's in good shape sad, now. But that's what he's happened. put the China food behind him. Put, put the chopsticks down and <laughs> moved on with his life. He's doing well now. Good for Eddie, man. Good for Eddie. I want to see some of these Twitter pictures of Eddie. But we left off on Dynasty. Then we went to Keeper. Keepers are like Dynasty. You're keeping these teams. You're carrying these players for a long time. You draft them. You have them indefinitely. Could be a few years, but... You have your normal season. Following year, you have your rookie draft. You add to your lineup of the pool of rookies, depending on how bad you were. This works the same way as the NFL. You have a higher pick, get a better prospect, so forth and so on. The only nuance with a keeper league is that you don't have these players forever. You have them for a period of time, and you're only allowed to keep them for, on average, I think, through about three years. And then you pick of your roster who you want. But that pick is also based on where you drafted them. Let's say you get Antonio Gibson in the eighth round. This year, in 2020, let's say that was a reach. This year it would be a steal because there's no way he would last. So it's really about creating that value. Right. The, the whole point of keeper leagues is is to get that discount. You know, Hopefully you got lucky in one of your picks in the years past, and you can buy that at a discount for you know three years or whatever the, the limit is. Exactly. So moving on, we have Debbie. Debbie's exactly like Dynasty, but you're the type of person— you know how many freckles are on a golf ball. You got to be really into like cocaine you and children. Know, that's that's Debbie. You know the penis size of the players because there's the hand size correlation to the penis, and if their hands are smaller than nine inches in circumference, then you know they have a four inch penis, and you know that it hurts their play, but makes them faster. And then there's sort of a quotient or equation for that. So Debbie leagues have the real generous of fantasy football. These guys are next level. And the issue with Debbie Leagues is they start doing that analysis on 17-year-olds, which is, you know, often frowned upon in many societies. But <laughs> Debbie Fantasy Football, 17, 18, 19, they're out there with tape measures. They're seeing what's up, and then they're uh... – so essentially, Debbie, if you haven't guessed, you're drafting college players before that player is even honestly a starter. And then they become a starter in college. They get drafted in the NFL, and you have, you know, the rights to that player throughout their career. And, and it can be fun. You can plant your flag really, really early. But it gets into a weird gray area for me where you're really gambling on children, and I don't know if I'm ready for that. You're a 45-year-old man analyzing a group of 17-year-old boy for hours on end. I'm just calling space spade. <laughs> you're balding a little bit. Debbie Lee yeah. sound fun. Sounds excessive. Sounds excessive. I don't know if I want to stare at a 17-year-old that long. If you want me to, if you want me to watch it that long... You have to be 21. If you're not my kid, what, what am I doing staring at you that long? What am I doing watching film of you that long? Some states, that's that's outlawed. So I don't coach. Yeah, what yeah. do I need to do? There's no barely legal happening. Not my place. Here. Seems weird. <laughs> yeah, grinding that grinding that tape from the top bleacher, you know, going, ooh, I think that's him out there. Yeah. Those are the type of leagues. And the most recent one is best ball. Uh, that's a redraft one year. 
You just draft your lineup, and whoever scores the most points scores the most points, and you get those based on the positions. If you have two quarterbacks, whoever scored the most, that's your starter quarterback that week. You don't have to set the lineup that week. Um, so now let's get into scoring. There's a lot of nuance here. Standard PPR, half PPR. There's a particular profile on these guys, and I'll let Greg get to this in a second. The way I break it down, and he'll give the nuances, but standard, I look at it like you're a 50-year-old man who still reads a newspaper in print, and you have an abacus. But standard tends to be someone who is a little bit more conservative, doesn't really like to walk on the wild side. They like their running backs. They like establishing the run. They like four yards per carry. They like touchdowns. That's generally who you see in a standard league. Um, PPR, those are that's fun. Those are people who like points. They like wild-ass scores. They like every single time something happens on the field, they're getting little numbers tick up and down. And PPR stands for point per reception. So whether you get a reception for one yard or 20 yards or 50 yards, you're always getting at least one point every time your player catches PPR the ball. is valuable, be, for, more valuable for running backs. At least in today's version, the idea is because PPR came about back in the day, running backs were favored. They were king. The more running backs and the better the running back, they would get fed more. They had more opportunity. I mean, they used to, like, Larry Johnson, LJ, ran the ball 400 times in a season. That doesn't exist anymore. That doesn't happen. But now they get points for catches. The NFL has moved towards more passing. So really to supplement those miscarries for running back is you need running backs who catch the ball. Running backs just don't get 30 carries a game anymore. It's not the way it's played. So, you know, they are they're basically like the Blu-ray. You know, they're really nice. They still have some use somewhere, but they're really not they're not they're outdated technology to run the football up the gut for 30 times a game. It's just it's just not the way things get done. Going back to Antonio Gibson before those running backs who catch the ball, based on his profile, he was a wide receiver in college, he comes in. He's the type of guy who can put his, you know, dick on the table and win you a league, and that's what you need. You know, if you're a Debbie guy, you were on him from 17. You were staring at A.J. Dillon. You are staring at Quadzilla, Mike Davis. That's what Debbie guys, they knew. They knew ahead of time. So maybe, maybe, but, you know, I'll do Greg. I'll let you touch on it. It's pretty fucking into it. <laughs> Speaking from experience. No, but I, I think uh, you're listening to a fantasy podcast. So hopefully, you know, some of that was familiar for those that aren't. Welcome. Welcome to the, uh, the train. We're, we're pulling away from the station here. And so with that, I mean, Dax, I know generally how we do these things is, is we put a bunch of topics in a, in a Google Doc and we kind of stare at it, put some microphones in front of our faces and we figure out what we want to talk about. The one that you put in there that was actually pretty interesting. So there's all this. Well, not all of this. I'm like, oh, look at the news. No, Aaron Rodgers has been in the news for months now. And uh, and it seems like something might be happening there. So why don't you take it away? Talk about what you think might happen with Aaron Rodgers. I know I have. My own thoughts, but... Here's what, what I'm going to propose. I have a theory. One of our tinfoil hat theories. All right. Go for it. Here's what I would do if I were the Bron- Broncos, not Aaron Rodgers. If I'm the Broncos, and I know Deshaun Watson... But he doesn't play for the Broncos. Not yet. Not yet he doesn't. <laughs> but if I'm if I'm the general manager for the Denver Broncos, or I'm John Elway, I'm calling both Packers. I'm calling the Houston Texans. I'm saying, here's our package. It's Patrick Sertan. Two first round picks. It's wow. a second. And I think they have to. I think they have to. Okay. 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 I'll continue. I'm not going to interrupt. Go for it. I think they drafted Patrick Sertan because you look at the Packers roster or you look at the Broncos roster, you have 
Ronald Darby, you go out and sign. You have Bryce Callahan, you you go out and bring Kyle Fuller. You have Kareem Jackson, you have Justin Simmons, and you have this secondary. You're stacked. Why do you think they drafted Patrick Sertan at that pick? Because the Packers need a cornerback badly. That's my tinfoil hat there. And he was the best cornerback probably in the draft. I disagree with that myself. I think it's J.C. Horn. I still wouldn't have taken him in the top ten, but I still think it's J.C. Horn. But Patrick Sertan is arguably the best cornerback in the draft. And you're going to dangle that carrot. You're going to say, listen, you're not going to be able to win with Jordan Love. Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to play. We'll give you Patrick Sertan. We'll give you Patrick Sertan two first and a second. And whatever else, dead money, Sputrack or whatever the fuck it is. And I pay for the premium Spatrack. version of this we'll, we'll shit, and Spatrack. I can't pronounce it. But I was playing with the numbers. <laughs> and it's very easy for this to work. Very easy. Cutting the rosters down. Having the 51-man roster cap, the 51-man roster for the Broncos, I believe, is $25 million approximately. And that's plenty of money to send out. That's plenty of room to make Aaron Rodgers work. The cap hit for Deshaun and for Houston, on the other hand, is far less, so they still have money. I'd call them both. I'd say, give me the quarterback. You are screwed. You need talent. You're devoid of it. You should trust your first-round quarterback, Jordan Love. And we're sending you this great offer, eating all this money. Both these teams can make it happen. So whoever answers first, I'd pin them against each other. You're either not going to have a quarterback and suck this year anyway and miss out on the opportunity to load up in the draft and have a great cornerback in a, in a good position to have a skilled player that strong or t- take a no stop and get nothing back. So it's tough shit and pick one and pit them against each other. Yeah. No, I, th- I think, I mean, I, th- I think that's as good as way as any to play it. The the things I think about, so would you have the same package, Deshaun Watson and Aaron Because for me, Deshaun Watson is almost untouchable, but it doesn't sound like that for you. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, they're both outstanding, but the shelf life is shorter, right? But he just won MVP. Deshaun Watson, if you have a guy who just won MVP, yeah. another guy who has 25 civil lawsuits against him, even though he's younger, I look at them and say they're pretty pretty close. <laughs> I look at them pretty close. Yeah. He's a 26-year-old stud, but he has a lot of baggage. <laughs> Well, one can run the ball. Yeah. <laughs> one of them has a really good chance to play with the trade. The other one probably doesn't. And so there's a lot of risk caked in. Yeah. But I know what you're saying. But the price, that has to be caked in. Yeah. So, I mean, I think Denver's absolutely in the game. I don't think that package that you just outlined is going to be the one that, that gets them to do anything. Uh, main reason why, I think initially that was probably what Denver was thinking is, hey, we'll get Sertan. Green Bay needs a corner. And then at whatever pick Green Bay had, 25, 27, where they should have got Rashad Bateman, they go ahead and they pick a corner. And so that essentially kind of screws the Patrick Sertan value and anything that Denver could potentially sell to Green Bay because they already got their first-round corner. Um, I don't think Denver's out of the mix at all. I think very much so. But I just think it'll be more future picks and less anything related to the draft this year. Um, And I, I think they're probably the best landing spot of any for an Aaron Rodgers. But I guess the question I have for you, if we bring it back to fantasy football, if you're if you're drafting, if you're talking with your league mates and you're in a dynasty league, are you valuing Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, Javante Williams? Are are you baking Aaron Rodgers into those prices and buying that upside? Or are you and, and conversely, are you bailing on Devontae? Are you bailing on Aaron Jones? Um, things like that. Yeah. So I am. Don't own any Aaron Jones. No Robert Tunyon. And it's not because they're bad players. It's I think they're valuable and their ADPs are where they should be. 
especially if Aaron Rodgers plays. But you're looking for upside and value, and Corden Sutlin, Noah Fant, Jerry Judy. If you're drafting today, or if you're trading for them, their value is not as high as it will be eventually in a dynasty league. Once Aaron Rodgers gets there, you miss your window. You're screwed. You're done. You can't get them. And I'm very high on Jerry Judy because his value is so low. It's not because I necessarily think that Jerry Judy is, you know, the second coming of Jerry Rice. I don't, I don't think he's more than wide receiver three this year, uh, unless Aaron Rodgers gets there. But as far as Aaron Rodgers being there for the next three years, Jerry Judy is going to be a wide receiver one, two. He's going to be like DJ Moore range, like always that perennial cusp of wide receiver one, I right. think. They'll, they'll skyrocket. He is the closest to a Devontae Adams equivalent. He has such good footwork, and that's where Devontae Adams just demolishes defenders. You, he turns people inside out, and Jerry Judy, I think, is in that same ballpark, maybe not to the same extent, but can certainly do a lot of similar things that a Devontae Adams could. Um, Cortland Sutton's also a monster. I hope he comes back healthy. Um, I've got him on a couple of teams, and it's just uh, it's disappointing. I was a big buyer going into last year, and then he you know got hurt like the first 10 plays of the game or whatever it was. Um, I did see, I think uh, I'll give a shout out to Davis Maddock on uh, Twitter. He was the one kind of putting out a theory of, you know, kind of galaxy brain from a best ball perspective. Do you start stacking the Denver pass catchers with an Aaron Rodgers with the anticipation that Aaron Rodgers can get shipped over there? And then you have best ball lineups that are geared to really cash in, but you're buying at the discount. And so would you go that far? Would you start investing? I also think that Teddy Bridgewater even if this deal doesn't happen, I think Teddy Bridgewater is a much better quarterback than Drew Locke. He supported Robbie Anderson. He supported. I hope so. <laughs> not that he's a, you know, not that I think that he's good, but he supported Robbie Anderson, yeah. TJ. M. he basically had his knee removed off his body a couple of years back. It was gruesome. I think that Teddy Bridgewater is Mr. Dump off, play the safe route, do whatever will keep the ball uh, and your team for your team. Don't fuck this game up. Drew Locke. Drew Locke is He's pl- looked like he's playing like he's wearing a blindfold. He closes his eyes and throws his eyes, throws that shit as hard as he can. He he looks like he's Rex Grossman out there. Just closes his eyes and gives a Drew Lock fastball right between the fucking eyes. Dude, he does his little. Have you seen his his? Cel- this is a podcast, so this is a terrible thing to talk about. But have you seen a celebration where he like does his little hang loose sign and tucks him into his shoulders and kind of rolls oh, he's his the shoulders? gunslinger? I get it. I get. It. I guess I don't know what it is. I, there was a there's a great video of uh, he he got picked off in college, and then the defender started making fun of him, and he got really pissed off at him. And I was like, dude, you're Drew Lock. You play for Missouri. Give it up. Drew Lock sucks. Like what? What? How else? What other terminology do I have? He sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think we can leave it at that. I mean, so if A Rod gets shipped there, I think it, it elevates immediately that entire offense. I think they already have a great defense, and you know. I think we're both fans of Vic Fangio. I think we both believe he's a really good coach and, and his whole blind side has been the offensive side of the ball. And if you get someone like Aaron Rodgers, you basically say, Hey, Aaron, call your own place. You know, let's, let's Peyton Manning this and, uh, and see where it goes. So hopefully that takes place. They just need someone to come in and own that offense. The talent is there. Albert. Oh, the line is solid. Noah Fant. Noah Fant would be the best tight end Aaron Rodgers ever played with. Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, yeah. Keith cut? <laughs> Who gives a shit? Javante Williams is gonna ball out. I see. I don't think so. I think they're still. I mean, at least one more year. I think they're they're into Melvin. I, I think I'm I'm not. You know, fantasy football. This is a fantasy football podcast. I'm not touching Melvin Gordon. 
uh, maybe if his price gets low enough. But um, speaking of someone I have on many teams, um, let's talk about Elijah Moore, uh, wide receiver for the New York Jets, number eight, number one in your hearts um, out of Ole Miss. Um, I'm a big Elijah Moore fan. Uh, I have been since uh, really, you know, watching him in college and just watching him completely take over every single game he played in. Um, he's a very, very talented wide receiver. He's a, a small wide receiver, which, you know, some people have a knock against him. I'm not someone to buy too much into, you know, height, weight, size, speed. If you can play, you can play. And so uh, I think Elijah Moore can play. And so I've, uh, some might say, overdrafted him in pretty much every league I play in. But I've been uh, I've been reaching for Elijah Moore for a bit. And boy, are these, uh, what's the saying? The roosters are coming home to nest. Uh Elijah Moore hype out of camp is out of control. Um, and Dakota knows this because I've probably on a daily basis been sending him articles uh, to uh, the Jets beat writer. Uh, I think he's actually sending me cut out letters from <laughs> magazines glued exactly. to a piece of paper, plain yeah. piece of paper. It's psychotic. And, Borderline and psychotic. It, it's all about how Elijah Moore is just dominating and how he's the most exciting guy at OTAs. He's scoring touchdowns left and right, and I just I'm ready for it, man. I I'm not a huge Zach Wilson believer, um, but if Zach Wilson can hitch himself to the Elijah Moore wagon and go off to the races, go for it. And so um, Elijah Moore is is probably my pick. I don't know if I'm going to go as far as say rookie of the year because there's what four fucking quarterbacks that were taken in the top ten, um, but he is he's my pick for the most exciting skill position player as rookie, you know, over Devontae Smith, over Jalen Waddell, which I, I don't love, um, over uh, Kyle Pitts, we talked about last. I, I, I'll give me Elijah Moore any any day of the week, at least for this first year, um, and, and we'll see where it goes. I mean, Elijah Moore is in such a good position at the Jets. You know, you think about his competition. He's got Jamison Crowder, who's probably going to get cut. Can we say that yet? He's, he's owed $10 million and he's Jamison Crowder. That's, that's not, that, that doesn't go in the same sentence. So sorry, Jamison, you're a great player. You're not a $10 million player. Um, you got Corey Davis, who I think we've already seen what happens when a more talented wide receiver shows up in the, the room when Corey Davis is there, they, they get fed and Corey Davis goes to another team. Um, and then they also got, uh, Denzel Mims, um, who apparently as of yesterday was been practicing with the second stringers. Um, so Elijah Moore is, uh, maybe not in the best position. He's not in Devonte Smith's position. He's not in Jalen Waddle's position, but man, is he tearing up camp and, and really kind of putting his name out there. So, uh, this is, uh, my warning to all the listeners out there, go buy Elijah Moore. If you're in a dynasty league, even if you're in redraft and it gets to that 15th, 16th round, remember the name Elijah Moore. He's gonna, he's gonna do some things. Before we do this, we're talking about the 21 rookie class. Let's talk in terms of. 2020 versus 2021 running backs. Class in general, wide receivers. I think 2020 is a better class for both wide receivers, but especially running backs. But how do you stack rank? Let's do the running backs. Let's do top five. And then how do you stack rank top five wide receivers? Oh, man. Uh, On the spot here. Well, here's what I'll say initially on this 2020 class. Um I think they were dealt a terrible hand. I think, you know, what COVID did to the offseason program last year really stunted a lot of the development and just a lot of the onboarding that these 
kids, 20, 21, 22, 23 year olds had into the NFL. So I expect as we go into 2021, there's going to be a lot of kids that we wrote off the, you know, Jalen Ragers of the world, the, you know, whoever it is, uh, that are going to come out and be completely different players this year. And so, um, I'm not completely ready to say that this class is better. I'm not one to say that until you're at least, you know, three or four years out and these kids have played through their first contract. But um, I do think I expect a lot of growth out of the 2020 class. Jonathan Taylor, do you mean to say that out loud? Who's JT? Jonathan Taylor, the next Saquon Barkley. For the listeners out there that, you know, they they may not know that you're, maybe you're talking about home improvement, Jonathan Taylor Thomas or something like that. Did you not see Trey Burton's tweet? Wide receiver one. No one sees how hard he works. I did see it. I, I think I sent it to you. He did it. But uh, I think uh, – I don't I don't know if he's the next Saquon, man. He's got a – I don't know. So long as he gets on the field, he can't be – oh, just kidding. So talented. I have Jonathan Taylor. You turned me around on this, but only because of the ceilings. I'm going to go Antonio Gibson, too. I think it's better than CEH. But I like CEH. I think the floor goes to Clyde Edwards for Lair, and people are really down on him. The ceiling goes to Gibson, and if I'm looking at this, I'm going off ceiling. Yeah, and and I think honestly, Antonio Gibson, I expect, and kind of you know my, if I look at my crystal ball, the, the whole kind of preamble I just gave around 2020 rookies not getting a fair shake, that that's really Antonio Gibson. The dude was kind of a part time running back coming into the NFL, trying to learn a position. In the middle of COVID, there were just things he just did not know how to do last year. And I think that really stunted his utilization. I think if it was for, if he had a full offseason and knew, under, understood how to play, uh, pick up blitzes, he'd be out there way more. He, his snaps would be way, way up and uh, would not be seeding carries to, um, you know, the Samaj P. Rines of the world or the Peyton Barbers Fair. of the world. And uh, so I do expect a huge growth from him. Um, I think you're right on, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, I'm looking at your list right now. You've got, you know, Cam Akers there. You've got Najee Harris there as well. Ah. See, Cam Akers is an interesting one. That's one I want to talk about too. It's like are people are anointing Cam Akers after like, what, two games where he looked really good? You know, like, yeah, talk to me about Cam Akers. Like, why do you have him ahead of Najee Harris, who I think is awesome? What do you feel about running backs? is that running backs when they're in their position are the beneficiaries of good offenses and not exactly their talent all the time. I think this has been proven. I think this is why you see running backs fall to the second round now more often. And game script impacts running backs way more because no matter what, you're always going to pass the NFL, especially today. Akers has the same skill set as Nashi Harris. He did it with a lot less at Florida State. My God, you want to compare? I could have made Florida State's team that year. You can't really compare Nashi Harris' to, team and Cam Akers' Florida State team. To Come say on. they have the same skill set, I don't agree with, man. Like, Najee Harris I is think a they're both great. child. Cam Akers is a converted quarterback. You know, like... I didn't say they're the same athlete. I think they have the same skill set. And Cam Akers proved that he gets plenty of catches on a per-game basis. And he can feast in every facet. That's fair. Is that Najee Harris better habit? Better athlete? Absolutely. I wouldn't argue Najee so, Harris. So between Cam Akers and Najee Harris this year, who would you rather have? Cam Akers. It's reluctant. It's 
reluctantly I'm saying this. I just don't know what he's going to do. Who? Najee Harris. Do you know what Cam Akers is going to do? He didn't give us enough. I know that offense is going to be really good. At least I'm a buyer in that offense in the Rams. Me too, me too, me too. Whereas, I don't think Juju is great. Deontay Johnson looked terrible at times last year. Don't get me wrong, I'm buying him. But uh, drops change. I don't think they're predictive of talent, but still. And that line is bad. And Rosberger is not good anymore. And there's no one I trust behind him. That offense would tank really hard. Dwayne Haskins? No, thank you. You know, and he's a rookie running back. And 2020 had to deal with a lot of bullshit. And there's still proto, there's still protocols in place for COVID. No, yeah. Montez not- Sweat is still looking for facts on the vaccine out there. It's also a compliment. I put Najee over J.K. Dobbins. I take Najee Harris this year over J.K. Dobbins. You're not saying that. I'm a Najee guy over J.K. Dobbins. I'm a Najee guy over Travis Etienne, even though I like wow. Etienne. Opportunity plays into it in offense. And Najee's going to feast. But I just don't. What if I took Akers off this list and put Dobbins on this list? What if I took CEH off this list and put Dobbins on this list? No, I just. I just think with, with Clyde Edwards Hilaire and with Cam Akers, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is probably more, you know what you're getting. Cam Akers, I just don't know what I'm getting. Like, I, I, I raised it a couple weeks ago where I was like, how do we know it's not Daryl Henderson? You know, I, I mean, I, I think we know how we know it's not. But I'm, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it, it, there can be another, you know, Malcolm Brown's not on the team anymore, but a Malcolm Brown-like entity that just vultures carries from Cam Akers. You know, I could absolutely see that happening. And I don't think that would happen with a, uh, you know, Dobbins has Gus Edwards there, but Dobbins, I don't know. They just seem more talented and a better position than Cam Akers is. Uh, maybe I'm thinking about it too hard. But. Uh, anyway, but Greg, give me your five running backs and we'll do five wide receivers. I mean, it's probably a similar list. So, so your list right now, uh, Jonathan Taylor, you got Antonio Gibson, you got Clyde Edwards Hilaire, you got Cam Akers, you got Najee Harris. Um, you know, mine, mine would probably be very similar there. I'd probably, again, the, the, probably the, the, the wild card there is Dobbins for me. And for me, it's probably Dobbins over an acres. And I would probably have, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor. I would probably have Dobbins at two, uh, probably have Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I probably have Gibson at, at four and then, you know, probably Najee at five. Um, I think that's kind of how you can kind of rank them right now. I, I, Dobbins, Again, you know, fantasy is tough to predict, but I just the talent is there. I'm a real big fan of the talent. 2021, everyone was like such a stat class, so much talent, and this is kind of what I was saying yesterday is that it takes wide receivers time. I I do think number one for me is probably CD. Um, I think CD Lamb is great. Uh, I'm a big fan of him. He was my wide receiver one coming out. I think he did everything he needed to to show that he he's he's an alpha. He he's going to be in the wide receiver one conversation um, year to year. Um, I Justin Jefferson obviously is there. Um, he he had a great rookie year. Do I think to expect that every year? No, that that'd be insane. He had a, a, a tremendously productive rookie year. And I think that he will approach that this year, but I don't think we can expect you know that level of production, that amount of touchdowns, that amount of yardage year to year with Justin Jefferson. Um, after that, it, it's really kind of a, a muddy mix for me. Um, Jamar Chase is is an obvious one, but I don't know. I'm not. 
I don't know about Jamar Chase. I have I have my doubts about Jamar Chase. People that say, oh, he's an alpha, he's the next, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, AJ Green, whatever you want to call them. I, I don't know. I need to see it a little bit first. And and I think he's in a great spot with his college QB with what the Bengals are looking to do. I think he will be in a good position to succeed. I'm just, I'm not anointing him yet. And then, of course, you have others. You've got Elijah Moore. You've got Rashad Bateman. Um, you've got Devontae Smith. You've got others like Jalen Waddle, who some people think is a pretty good weapon. I've got my other thoughts on it. But I, I think it's it's CD, it's Justin Jefferson, and then for me it's a big kind of wide land of three, four, and five. I, I don't know if I can rank them out right now. What do you think? So I've been thinking about this, and here are my five. I'm going to go Justin Jefferson one, reluctantly. What's the reluctance? Because we talked about this the other day, but it's going to be in a perfect world for Mike Zimmer. It's 60 fucking runs a game with Dalvin Cook into the offensive line, and they're just running clock, and that defense is atrocious, but Mike Zimmer... It's the only reason they pass, but Mike Zimmer, in a perfect world, that defense is good, and the scores are 7 nothing. It's unwatchable. But Justin Jefferson is so much better than Adam Thielen in his career. He showed it. Any offense in the NFL, especially the Minnesota Vikings defense, being bad and not getting better in the offseason, they're still going to be bad. If Aaron Rodgers doesn't leave, they still have to pay the Packers twice. Justin Fields is going to elevate that offense, unlike you know, Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky. So that'll elevate that. The Lions are a cakewalk. No offense. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. You know, Jeff Okuda is going to lock him down. Justin Jefferson, one. CeeDee Lamb, two. Because he's the third option there still. In a redraft, I, I love CeeDee Lamb. I just don't think he's going to be beyond that wide receiver, too. And I really like Michael Gallup. I really like Amari Cooper still. CeeDee Lamb won't be able to eat the same way. Yeah. Because of target competition. I like Jamar Chase this year. These guys, the floor's pretty high. When I'm looking at the list, there's a lot of question marks. Elijah Moore, Terrence Marshall, Rashad Bateman, Rager. I just think Chase presents a better floor. Knowing his pedigree, the rapport with Burrow. They've seen each other naked. You know, that's rapport. And Jerry Judy, obviously, talented, most talented player in the worst situation. I don't think there's a player in a worse situation at the moment. I like Devonta Smith. I was joking about the Slim Reaper, how the Philly fans are going to murder him with the Duracell battery, but I really like Devonta Smith. I don't care about his weight on a per-game basis. I care about it in terms of the entirety of a season his career. Someone as slim as him, I don't know how they'll hold up in the NFL. But on that note, I agree with you. There are tons of these wide receiver three guys I really like. Yeah. Moore, Waddle, Auk, T. Higgins, Fiskus Chenault. The potential there is crazy. It's, he's AJ Brown in so many ways. Yeah, but uh, I mean, Urban Meyer hates him, right? That's the narrative right now. Is uh, basically they drafted Travis Etienne to be a Lavisca Chenault replacement, and. Uh, but now it seems like DJ Chark is the one who's in the doghouse. So I, I don't really know what's going to happen there. Nick Saban, all these college coaches, Nick Saban, Chip Kelly, and they all fuck up in a huge way. I think we're going to see the same, exact same shit. They're going to miscast players. Yeah. 
No, I, I, the Marvin Jones is still there, man. Like, I, I'm not discounting Marvin Jones at all. Marvin Jones can still ball. Like, he looked really good last year, and I think him with Trevor Lawrence, he's going to be out there on the field. He's going to be getting targets. I think he's a really underrated pick for Jacksonville. I think he's the least sexy pick of the three, but probably presents the best floor. Yeah, but I, I'm ready for, for Visca to show up and, and just – show everyone that he he's not going away i think you know he was i think his talent was underrated by the incoming staff and that's why they really kind of went over and got etn to play this kind of percy harvin curtis samuel role in the urban meyer offense and in my head visca chenault is is that dude and and i hope they figure that out and just put the ball in his hand and just watch him do incredible things on a football field because he he's got that he's got that it factor to him. He's got that you know Debo Samuel has got the same thing. Elijah Moore has the same thing. It's just when Saquon Barkley, when they've got the ball in their hand, they just they just move different. Um, and, and you know, someone else who might have that same thing is uh, Kadarius Tony, who was rumored to be Jacksonville's desire. You know, the the twinkle in their eye in the draft, and then when they got the Giants stole them from him, they went ETN. So. Uh, I mean, maybe we can talk about this real quick, but Cardarius Tony, you know, rookie this year, I think every rookie draft I've been in, he's like going late second round. No one wants to pick this guy. Are we all just idiots? He's a first round wide receiver. You know, like what What do you think on Tony? There are three things that are certain in this world, Greg. Death, death taxes. Cardarius <laughs> Tony is not going to be good in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> he has a lot of value and it's why teams are reaching for him. He could take the top off. Kick returner. He scares kick returners. You know, a linebacker trying to cover him. Good luck. But, but these gadgety, one trick, fast guys, they have longer careers. They bounce around the league. You look at Cordell Patterson. You look at Tavon Austin's. But I look at him in the same light. I look at Tony in the same light. He'll rely too much on his athleticism, and it's right. because they're only going to ask him to do that. They're going to ask him to run the same shit. When you're not working on it, when you're not used that way, why would you get any better? Um, but I look at him in that way. Yeah, and, I mean, we've seen this story before. You know, Jason Garrett, who's the offensive coordinator of the, of the Giants, who, who is – talk about a dude being sunburned all the time. He he uh, signed Taven Austin when he was down in Dallas and then proceeded to not know how to use him at all. And so, you know, I, I'm probably with you, I think – you know, Tony, Tony's got some talent. He does, again, those things on a football field that just not everyone can do. Um, I just don't think the Giants are the team that's going to make it happen for him. So um, sorry about that, Kadarius. I wish it could be better. wish it could be on the Jags. That'd be interesting. But uh, instead, it's going to be Visca. We have one thing that you want to chat about. We, you know, work through the depths of fantasy football. And this is where you're going to start seeing some guys who stare at 17-year-olds too long and talking about fifth round draft picks dynasty leagues let's break it open man yeah so this is something i mean dakota and i were we're in a fantasy league together where it's full of other degenerates and uh every year we do a rookie draft so it's a dynasty league which means again if you recall we have those teams that persist year to year and in the rookie draft we go forward and and there's five rounds so 60 picks total and i thought it'd be fun to take a look at the fifth round so the very last couple of picks here and uh, and maybe you know Dakota and I both pick a guy and kind of plant the flag on him and a guy that we think is is going to do something and uh, and see what it turns into 
And so let me first, I'll, I'll kind of run down the, the 12 picks here that were in the fifth round, and then we can uh, pick our guys. So uh, for the first pick of the fifth round, 501, uh, Jonathan Adams, Detroit wide receiver. Um, now I'm a Detroit Lions fan. I don't think I've ever heard of Jonathan Adams in my life. So God bless him. Um, we've got 502, Kylan Hill, running back for Green Bay Packers. 503, Tommy Tremble, Carolina tight end. 504, Jarrett Patterson, uh, Washington Redskin or Washington football team running back. Uh, 505, Jacob Harris, uh, LA Rams tight end. 506, Trey McKitty, uh, Chargers tight end. 507, Davis Mills, Houston Texans quarterback. 508, Kellen Mond, Minnesota Vikings quarterback. 509, Kalan Baker, uh, New Orleans Saints wide receiver. 510, Jared Dokes, Miami Dolphins running back. 511, Kyle Trask, Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback. And 512, Demetric Felton, Cleveland Browns running back. And so those are kind of the 12 players we've got to pick from here. Um, and, you know, to be fair, I, I participated in this rookie draft, so I have one of these players. I had picked Jarrett Patterson at 504 when it was in the draft, but he's actually not going to be the player that I'm going to plant my flag on. I'm going to plant my flag on. Um, Dax, you want to guess? Uh, I think it's unfair to go quarterback. I'm going Jacob Harris, L.A. Rams tight end. Wow. Wow, dude. Fuck off. Were you really? Wow. Really? I was going to so, say the J- same J- one. His spark score is crazy. 97 yeah, percentile. Harris, God damn. Cr- crazy athlete. Kind of one of those tweener tight ends, wide receiver tight end, um, a la a Tyler Higby, if you will. And I, I just, you know, I'm one to gamble, especially in late rounds, on the athlete. And I think, you know, the, the spark scores, as you just mentioned, is there. Obviously, the, the talent and the system is there to support him with Matt Stafford throwing the ball, Sean McVay calling the plays. And I just think, you know, maybe we'll see a little bit of it this year, but certainly in the years to come, this Jacob Harris guy is going to really kind of open people's eyes, mainly because he's going to be put in positions to succeed. And so I really like him. I think he is someone that in some leagues that I'm in where maybe he doesn't get drafted or I'm, I have a pick and it's relatively late in the draft, I'm targeting. Um, I was actually on him pretty early, and, and I think the reason why I didn't pick him uh, in this draft is he was originally listed as a wide receiver, and I wanted nothing to do with that. But now it looks like his position's been correctly put as a tight end, and I just think it could be a really interesting kind of channel of production uh, in the tight end position for Jacob Harris. So that's my pick here. Who do you got, Zach? So you stole mine. That would have been mine. I really like Jacob <laughs> Harris, too. For all the same reasons that people love Darren Wallet for the rumors of Chase Claypool right. being moved to tight end. And there's long-term hope there for that. I think it's going to be the exact same thing there. Long-term hope for Jacob Harris is that he's a physical freak. You can use him in the NFL in more of a positionless wide receiver, patch catcher, and line slot role. Get the athlete in space. Since you stole mine, I'm going to go quarterback and back back up into that you know Kalamon I really like Kalamon I really do I like his upside I did you know I've been a Kellen, big Kalamon guy remember. gonna go Konami coding I really like Kalamon his great legs surprisingly accurate from what I watched much better than I thought you know me grinding that tape the only way to do it you know, I go Grind on YouTube and watch tape. 10 minutes of their highlights and go, yeah. I like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at this. The highlights, it's definitely reflective of them and their talent. Uh, but I really like him in terms of the opportunity. 
I don't think Kirk Cousins is the long-term answer there. And there are already, I think, some questions internally. Once he starts throwing a bunch of interceptions, yeah. Isn't this his last year, Mr. Uh, Mr. Spatrack? What's it, what, it's, I think this is his last year, so we'll see what happens. Uh, no, it looks like he's under contract next year, too. But, uh, no idea what they're doing in Minnesota. But he, he, but Kelamon could still do something. I mean, who's to say that a 34-year-old Kirk Cousins can keep Kelamond off the field if Kelamond is really the talent that we all think he is? Because he was, he, he was highly recruited, if I'm not mistaken, coming out of high school, too. Wasn't he like a four- or five-star athlete and then went to... It's not like he didn't have decent draft collateral. He was taken in the third round, 66th overall. So there's some hope. Yeah. I don't hate it. Drafting a player in the third round, 66th overall, the idea is maybe they'll see the field, that there's the potential they will, or else he wouldn't be spending that in the third round for a back quarterback. You know, And then obviously there's Kyle Trask, but I think there's – Farger chance <laughs> Kirk Cousins retires before Tom Brady. I think it's a pretty good chance. I think Tom Brady is a warlock and just, you know, he's <laughs> never going to die. I believe it. All the plaque surgeries, all the things that have been done to him, the avocados, you know, yep, no alcohol, doesn't eat strawberries. Did you see his water bottle? No, I chance, man. You know what I'm talking about? There was a picture the other day where he was at a press conference and he's like pulled out from under the table just to have a drink of water and this water bottle must have been like three feet tall like it looked like a helium tank it was ridiculous so good on tom that's where he keeps the souls of his victims that's where all of his uh what is it avocado tequila or whatever it was i haven't had it but i'm sure i'll get around to it (laughs) we're just about out of time i think we had a solid show if i don't say so myself most important takeaway though don't play standard football unless you're a 50 year old man don't play debbie unless you're a pedophile yeah definitely draft elijah moore anywhere you can Every time, first round pick no worries about it and aaron Rodgers, the broncos is the best case scenario yeah no and that's a that's a podcast and so we'll, we'll wrap this one we'll call it episode one in the books uh though it's it's unofficially episode two but we'll call it episode one um dax where can people find you Yep, it's back to my OnlyFans, Dem Cheeks, and they can reach out to me at my Twitter handle, Greg and Dax Pod, on my email, Greg and Dax Pod. That's your Twitter handle. Or that's your email. email. Greg, where can they find us on Twitter? <laughs> so, so we have a, a Twitter account that you are more welcome to to follow and tweet at us, uh, Greg and Dax Pod on Twitter. Um, my Twitter account at Greg Dobbs. And then we also do have an email for the podcast. So if you've got questions, if you need to know about standard league settings, if you don't know what a JK Dobbins is, uh, go ahead and email us at Greg and at gmail.com. Thanks everyone. Take it easy. And follow us on our Tumblr and OnlyFans. Thanks.